journey. Uh, today we are thrilled to have um, a gentleman who has quite a extensive coaching resume. Um, I'm not sure there is a team in BC or Alberta that he has not coached <laughs> based on his resume that he has sent us. Um, doesn't have the easy job of following up Jay Triano, but like we talked about on the previous episode is, um, you know, it's more about people's stories. And uh, Joe Envelton has a great story about just being determined to become a coach uh, through basketball. And he's been all over the place, coached many teams, and is now um, recently, um, somehow through COVID and the hiring process, the head coach of the UFV men's basketball teams. We'd like to welcome Joe to the podcast today. How are you, man? Thanks, man. I appreciate the uh, kind words there. And yeah, I'm good. I'm surviving. I'm surviving. It's a uh, tumultuous time with an, a high level of uncertainty, but getting through it day to day. And obviously the with the NBA starting back up today and uh, it being 33 or uh, forecasted to be 33 degree degrees today, life ain't too, too bad. Yeah, having a pool five feet away from probably where you are also helps so screw you for that but yeah i hear you i think if the pod goes if the pod goes astray on me i think i might just dive in off off the top uh the top roof instead so just start yelling from the pool yeah we'd be down we'd be down with that that'd be unique yeah Yeah, that'd be different sort of that's sort of how the start of every podcast goes anyways you experienced that real life um (laughs) for those that don't know corbs and i are actually in the same room today um, we haven't done this yet, so we're trying to figure that out and, and make some things work. So uh, Joe got to see the behind the scenes of the gong show that a hoops journey truly is. Um, how has COVID life been for you? Obviously, you know, you and I keep in touch. Um, yeah, we've chatted many absolutely. times and you got a new you got a new little guy. Um, and, you know, we'll touch on how your season ended this year, unfortunately. But, you know, from the end of the season with Douglas to, to now, you've had a pretty crazy time. Um, Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, when you throw in COVID and then a huge job transition to probably something that has been an ultimate goal for you for a long time. Just talk a little bit about that before we uh, move forward in the podcast and how you and your family have done through everything. Well, I I mean, I I think as far as family goes, it's uh, like I'm definitely viewing the COVID thing as, as... something so incredibly unique and positive it, it allowed me an opportunity as it as it did with with most families in the same kind of position as us uh, to to spend time with my son and my wife in in much more of a capacity than i than i ever would have had it been a had we just had a normal regular season and and a normal working environment and and so I definitely cherish the the extra time, if you want to call it that, that I've got to to hang with the little guy and see see a, a bunch of firsts that I you know if I was working nine to five or if I was on the road that I wouldn't necessarily have gotten the opportunity to see live and up in person. So from that perspective, it's been absolutely amazing. Um, obviously, COVID has been uh, it's been an interesting last five or six months and and. Um, I think uh, you know the job, the the career move uh, from from Douglas to Fraser Valley has has really kept me busy during a time where it'd be very very easy to go and and you know become very very 
despondent and and be in a tough life space with just having nowhere really to go or anything to do so I think it's been you know it's allowed me the opportunity to kind of get caught up and and ahead of the game a little bit in terms of um, the, the new position yeah and you know we're just a little bit ahead of you in terms of parenthood and those kind of firsts are things that you'll never be able to get back right so well, you know, absolutely I think one of the cool parts of everybody that we've had on has you, you learn about people's determination and that people that are involved in sport this podcast just happens to be about basketball but people make it certain places whether it's coaching or get into teaching or engineering whatever our guests have done um you know, they've taught and been learned how to work hard, right? And find yeah. a way to get the best of most things. And I think that athlete perspective and that coaching perspective, when COVID happens, like a lot of people just kind of mailed it in and, yeah. you know, your mental health can get sideways and bad things can happen. But I think people that are goal-driven and, and have tried their best, and that's not to say, like, I've had my lapses in my own mental health where I've been like, man, what the heck is going on? But just being able to find the little victories along the way. So I think that's, you know, something a lot of the people that listen sh should take away. And once things get clear, you know, you should be able to even grow even more. Right. Yeah, ab so, absolutely. And, and, and I think, you know, the, you, you have to be able to turn this situation into a positive. Otherwise, like you said, your mental health will languish. And, and I mean, again, you coaching world, sporting world, you know, you're so used to going 100 miles an hour, and then I just remember the very beginning of it. You're you're going 100 miles an hour, and then it's just stop. And you know, most coaches go through the postseason, you know, flu or postseason colds. Everybody kind of gets the sniffles at the end of the season. But now, it, what what it allowed me to do was it allowed me a time to not necessarily be a a dad coach. It allowed me the opportunity to just be a dad. And so from that perspective, it was, again, it was great. Like you just, you just get the opportunity to spend time, right? And, you know, so very, very thankful for that, but also, you know, also looking forward to going back to work on a regular basis. <laughs> for sure. And that's, you know, when we had Scott Morrison, right? He was like sad to be away from his family, but also super excited to be back coaching and doing what he loves. Because, you know, I think a lot of the people, well, everyone, that we've interviewed as well also does something that they're passionate about so when that gets Absolutely. taken away it's like oh man now what so awesome well let's see we've made it to edmonton we've made it i guess jay is technically in charlotte but he's all over we've yeah. made it to ontario now we're he is a local lower mainland boy now but representing kamloops bc in the house <laughs> Oh, Kamloops. Let's just, uh, and you know, I think it's cool again because we obviously cross paths a little bit through playing yeah, and stuff. Absolutely. So there's some, there's some fun stuff there. Um, what was life like for you uh, representing Kamloops? And, and as, a, as a young guy, you know, what sports were you involved in? How did you get hooked into basketball? Um, try not to be like everybody else and uh, get from you know, being seven years old to your, uh, to your degree in three minutes, cause it'll be a short okay. podcast. So fair, fair just tell enough. us, tell us what it was like growing up in Kamloops though. Cause it's a different, I, you know, it's a unique place. It's, you know, yeah. home of Kelly Olenek and lots of great players yeah. have come out of that area. Right. So what was it like? And, and how did you get hooked into hoops? Well, I actually grew up in Vernon. 
So I mean, I I, uh, right. I, I went to college in Kamloops. And, and Sorry so, to disrespect the, and geez, be an ignorant man. lower mainlander and put that all yeah. into one category. But they're all yeah. they're all like five minutes apart from each other, aren't they? Yeah, but apparently you're not allowed to blur them together. I guess right? Because well, that's I, just, I guess yeah. Yeah, yeah. fair enough. <laughs> um, well, no, like I so again, like I said, I grew up in Vernon. Uh, I I went to. A hockey school actually in grade eight, nine, and eight, eight and nine, uh, Seton Secondary, and it was ended up being a pretty good volleyball school, and play you know played basketball kind of you know almost kind of during lunch breaks during kind of in class breaks and uh, again I just it was a scenario where that was right during the Bulls the Bulls era of dominance and and so for me watching Chicago and then going to school and playing. I remember I was all decked out in the Chicago Bulls gear uh, right from the, like basically right from the start of element or from the start of high school. And it was just, uh, uh, again, going into school every day, going to Seton and, and shooting during breaks. And, and Seton didn't really have a, a great program by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, and we actually ended up moving into the Fulton and catchment area, my, the start of my grade nine, I think it was grade nine year. And I still ended up going to Seton the rest of grade nine. Uh, and then I actually went to a hoops and hustles camp and I'll always remember it. I went to a hoops and hustles camp at Fulton, uh, summer of grade, summer between grade nine and grade 10 played for, played for a guy during the camp was you know won a couple of awards at the camp and i don't know if you if uh it's illegal recruiting or what but i basically got told hey you live in the fulton and catchment area you know you should come to fulton and i don't know am i allowed to say that it's it's there's a oh, there's a time now. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, that was there, back in there 93. There was no 3 online then, was there? Yeah, it was 93, <laughs> I think, 92, 93. So I think I'm out of that out of that uh, grandfather rule, aren't I? Cool, but also, what was Fulton? Was Fulton just 11, 10, 11, 12? Uh, no, they were they were uh, 8 through 12 at that point, too. Oh, yeah. they were? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they were. I, I know mean, they if you're in the catchment area, you're all good, man. Yeah, I'm all good. Okay, okay. Yeah. So anyways, I, I was a free agent. And then uh, I ended up deciding to transfer to Fulton going into grade 10. And just, uh, again, Fulton was much more of a basketball school at that point. Um, so played volleyball, played, played basketball, definitely with my incredible leaping ability, decided that, hey, uh, you know, basketball is probably a little bit better for me, not volleyball. Uh, so I ended up uh, playing on the junior team played played for a coach by the name of Bob Shannon in grade 10 and 11 and and just fell in love with the game of basketball was was around like-minded people who loved basketball um you know we ended up running into we played those shoe swap teams which were which was a grade 8 through 10 and those shoe swap teams you know that would have been Jordy McTavish that would have been you know who we just were talking about earlier today um Jordy McTavish, Andrew Roy, Josh Bowie, all guys that kind of went on and had great, great careers. Um, and so we ended up losing to them in a Valley final or a Valley semifinal and didn't get ourselves to the provincial tournament. And then grade 11, um, we actually 
we were double A, Fulton was double A, and that was right during the run of the Alder Grove powerhouse years. And uh, we ended up um, uh, playing, we ended up moving up, being bumped up to triple A because we actually moved schools. That's right when the new Fulton was built. I guess it's not new now, but. And so again, we played triple A and that was, again, paths, paths cross with Jordy McTavish with those KSS powerhouse teams. And I think we ended up losing in a semifinal. I think it was to, again, Salmon Arm. Um, and then basically grade 12 year rolls around and, you know, we think we have a pretty good shot at making it to the Agrodome. And that was kind of always on, on our goal was to, to make it to the Dome and to play in that environment and just to get kind of the experience. And yet again, so we, we end up getting ourselves to a Valley semifinal against, you know, who the Salmon Arm Golds, who I believe were, you know, that was, the, that was 95. So that was that, you know, I know you just had Hyde lay on and that was that crazy year of 95 where everybody was really good, but everybody was, you know, there were a lot of upsets that year in provincials. I mean, I think Salmon Arm was probably a top five team in the province at that time too, weren't they, Mitch? I was yeah, our, our grade 12 year. Yeah, they were, I mean, they yeah. were right up there. And so we were, we were a four seed out of the Valley. They were the one seed and, and, you know, our claim to fame was we played them six times and I think we lost to them four times by 50-ish. And then we beat them, we ended up beating them in a Penn High tournament final and then we ended up beating them in the Valley semifinal. Um, so we actually ended up, you know, keeping Jordy, keeping Jordy and the Golds out of the Agrodome for that year. And I, I know the next year they, they ran roughshod until the semi, but... Uh, and then we ended up playing KSS Owls in the Valley Final and Matt Rainey, Cruisewick, you know, again, there's a lot of, a lot of talent in the Valley that year, uh, lost to him by one and had to turn around and play the wild card game. So drive down to Hope, which was a huge drive for us Vernonites at, at that time and played, uh, remember Mike Bartos, 1995 STA. They think they came STA, off of, was he lefty? He was a lefty, yeah. I think he was, yeah. yeah they had, they had a bunch. Yep. They had a bunch of serious, serious dudes. Like they were, they were pretty no, good. They were good. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And for so sure. we ended, and then we ended up losing to them in the in the wild card game. So never got a chance to go to the Agrodome. Never got a chance to play in that environment, which was disappointing. And and so we ended. I ended up. Uh, yeah, I ended up going down with my my mom and, and stepdad to the Agrodome and and watched that that crazy final four and. McNair getting to the final against Ladysmith and uh who did McNair beat in the semi? Was it Van College they beat? I think it was MEI made the final. It was Ladysmith. Oh, MEI, yeah, it was Ladysmith MEI. That's mm. right. And so it was McNair yeah. versus Van College in the third fourth game. That's right. That's right. right. Yeah. 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 So so anyway and that just, you know, further the developed my love for the game just seeing the passion in the in in, in that environment and and so then kind of made that decision that I, you know, I really wanted to, you know, maybe made it a little bit too late, but wanted to go play post-secondary. And I ended up actually going to U, our OUC and it was about a week before tryouts and then kind of playing outside the Fulton Hoops again, one-on-one against a buddy and just kind of landed funny and, and uh, blew out my knee. And so... Uh, basically kiboshed kind of going to OUC and having a chance to walk on and and so 
But what it did do for me was it actually allowed me the opportunity to take the year off and, and start coaching with, and I ended up coaching the Fulton Junior Boys that year with Bob Shannon, uh, who was my, one of my former coaches. And I, again, just fell in love with just being very, very passionate about the game and, and um, again, moved on to Kamloops. Uh, one of my best friends was, was going to Kamloops uh, to play for, for the Sun Demons. And we ended up, uh, I ended up following suit and we ended up, you know, having a, having a pretty good run there. Uh, I mean, unfortunately, we came into, again, luck would have it. I, we, we came up against another all-world point guard and and a, some pretty good some pretty good forwards i don't know mitch were you pretty good or where were you where, where are you on the top 10 yeah yeah those were some good uh, we'll language teams that. we'll talk about that in a sec all right all right fair <laughs> enough <laughs> so um, uh sorry go ahead no worries you just did what everybody else does it's okay it's all right well, i was I, I was going to I, I was going to keep going but hey if you want me to i know you slow. were Okay, you cut me off. As a good host, I just cut you off, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to touch on a few things. I want to touch on a few things. One, sure. Just talk about uh, Clarence Fulton basketball because they had some great teams. I remember, you know, the Brar boys came from out of there. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, they still have a really solid double A program. Coach has been there forever, um, and just you know, you touch on not making the Agrodome, but I think. We're in an era now, especially with the fourth tier, um, which yeah. I think is great. But, you know, making the provincials, we try to preach to our guys, like, just how special it actually is to get there. And we went on a bit of a streak where we were, I think it was six years in a row we qualified. And then we had a, a two years where we didn't and then made it back last year. And, um, you know, just back then how hard it was to actually just even make it to the dome like to think about what you had to go through as a team playing jordy mctavish's teams um those Kelowna secondary teams were, were just stacked as well um, yeah absolutely and, and i think and i think it's important for kids to hear that that you know your guys goal was just to just to make it to the dome um but when you were at fulton was the program solid before that or was that kind of because I, I'd like to we, think kind of mid '90s and up till now, they've always been sort of in the mix. Um, absolutely. And another important thing is you had a couple good coaches and mentors who, you know, got you drawn into the game, which seems to be a common theme throughout the show. Is someone had someone in their life who turned on the lights and was willing to rebound or just even open the gym, right? Absolutely. I, I mean, I think I think Fulton was always a power in the Okanagan, and that just differentiates between you know again the Okanagan. You don't necessarily when you're down on the coast, you don't necessarily think of Fulton as being necessarily a powerhouse unless you're involved in the day to day, right? And I, I think that so like it was early. I want to say '92 they finished in the top four in Double A. Then 93, I think they actually finished third in AA at the AA Provincials. Uh, and that was with Kerry. So that would have been Eric Heinrichsen, uh, those Kerry High teams, that Kerry High team that won it. Uh, and that's that. I mean, Heinrichsen was a, was a load, right? So I, I think it was, there were some pretty good players. But I, again, getting to the Agrodome, once we moved up the triple, that, to AAA, that was the goal. Uh, I mean, again, our goal was, but we knew the Okanagan Valley at the time. I still, 
still do believe it was a little bit of the golden era of the Okanagan Valley when you have you know a guy who played at Utah he played at Utah and he played in a final eight and a final four it might have even been a final four and a, and a final in Jordy McTavish and you just had so many talented guys you had the Cam High teams with Aaron Buckham who went to UVic and Levi Lestander at Norcam to get out of the valley was just a, a tremendous accomplishment in and of itself and so it's I just kind of came during the time where you know had I had we stayed double a I think we would have had a great opportunity to get to provincials but moving up to triple um, just took it to the whole another level and and you know the triple a valley was again I, I do believe it was kind of the golden era of the Okanagan basketball in terms of talent and and the the talent that was all over the valley not necessarily just in one school and even though kss seemed to be kind of the power um you know salmon arm had five or six guys to go on and play post-secondary basketball cam high had three guys that played post-secondary basketball norcam had three guys you know everybody was going off to play post-secondary basketball at that time and and so it was just a tremendous, tremendous um, challenge. Every, every game, every game was a good game in the Valley. And, and you know, we were fortunate enough to, to put ourselves in a position to be successful and to get ourselves to a, a wild card game. But there was also only one berth and, and one, one full berth. And you had to play, well, I think it was 1.5. So I think you had to play a wild card game to get in. So you, you know, Sam and Arm, who gets upset, and they're probably top five in the province all year, you know, and and have the best, arguably one of the top three players in the province. Uh, again, they they didn't get a chance to to go to the Agrodome based on, you know, they got upset in a semifinal. So, again, the valley was just just um, overflowing with talent at during that time. And again, I think it's I think for the for the youth uh of today and uh, you get a chance to represent your school at a provincial championship i think it, you have to really value that and and remember it and take soak it all in because again you don't you don't get those opportunities every day and for every guy that you know like you said mitch you guys have gone six years in a row so six years of athletes that got opportunities there's hundreds and hundreds and thousands of schools across the province that never get that opportunity and so you have to cherish it. You have to enjoy it. You have to, you know, you, now it's in the LEC. So now you have to go and, and enjoy that playing games in the LEC versus the Agrodome um, or wherever double A's or sand single A's were. But just the opportunity to represent your school at the highest level possible. Wow, what an experience. Yeah, for sure. And it must have been pretty fun to play some of those games when, you know, I, I think regardless of making it or not, you can look back and go, oh, wow, you know, we did play some some quality, you know, oh, teams. You, you yeah. didn't get upset by some scrubby team. You, you just lost out to teams that were better on you on certain days. And I think you're yeah. totally right that people don't really realize um, up in that area just how good the basketball was for a, a large span of time. So it's cool to hear some of the names that you dropped as well. I remember it's throwing me back as well. Um, you mentioned that, you know, after tearing your knee, um, and this is one thing that's been interesting too is people when they have downtime like we talked at the start of the podcast but like a steve mega yourself lexi 
go through kind of a major injury, nobody used that time to just Sit fall out. back. They use that time yeah. to grow as a person, right? And so one, I think is important. You decide to give back to your school. And two, you kind of think, all right, this coaching gig might not be bad. How was it coaching the junior team that year? And obviously it was probably some funny moments and some mistakes yeah, and some good stuff. But, oh, but is that absolutely. when you kind of felt like, wow, this is something I could get into? Well, I think what it did for me, and, and you know, again, it's a long, long time ago now. It feels like an eternity ago. I, it's one of those things where yeah, I, I don't remember. It's pretty long sorry? ago, buddy. It's pretty yeah, long. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty long, long ago. ago. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go with we'll go with. Yeah, it's a while. Um, but it's it's funny because it's one of those things where I think it just opened my eyes to realize that hey, I don't necessarily have to play to be involved in the in the sport that I'm passionate about, and and I think that that was something that. I realized I had a strong love for the game of basketball. I, I loved what it brought me on a day-to-day, the joys of it, even the, even the lows of it. Um, but I also knew that, you know, if, if, there, if my playing career was over, and you never know when it, when it is going to be over, that there was still opportunity to be around the game and, and grow the game and grow yourself and, and, again, be a part of it on a day-to-day. And, I, you know, I always thank Bob Shannon for that who you know gave me that opportunity to work with him on the junior boys side and again he he was a great mentor for me very much a father figure for me during that time frame I I mean uh, and so it was um, I definitely wasn't sitting around I definitely was involved and I think that was actually believe it or not again you referred to the Barrar brothers I actually think that that was Ricky and Sandy's group that that was that that was kind of the first group that I had coached, and they were in grade nine, I think. Ricky would have been in grade ten, and Sandy would have been grade nine. Um, so it was it was a pretty good group too. I, I mean, so it was a great group to be around, and I think they actually did a pretty good job once they got, you know, at the AAA provincials, that group specifically. So it it allowed me to be see a different side of it, and obviously you're playing, you're caught up in the the day-to-day emotions, but you don't necessarily see what a coach goes through. And this allowed me the opportunity to see, see what a coach goes through on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, that's awesome. And the Brar brothers were, were good. So they were good. Yeah. yeah. And then also realizing, you know, I know that sometimes even at the U sport level or even the Pac West CCA level, you've got to do a lot of things that other coaches don't have to, but junior boys, <laughs> you're doing a whole bunch of things uh, you know what i mean you really yeah. have to, you really have to love the game and love being around um the kids to to give your time back to something like that you know uh, it's because it's definitely not about the paycheck so it's it's definitely about past the passion of the game of basketball and i mean i think if you even get a paycheck at the junior high level you should be you should consider yourself very very lucky and fortunate so um yeah, I mean, it would just it it would just put me in a, in an environment where uh, where I realized that this is what I wanted to do the rest of my life. Cool, that's awesome. And then um, let's just jump a little forward to you sure. ending up at UCC. So you you also mentioned a couple. Of, so you said uh, OUC, which is was Okanagan University College, is now UBCO, and yeah. then UCC was the University College of the Caribou, which is now. Uh, Thompson River, right? And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're talking about a time where you know the valley, as you call it, is was very strong in basketball. And this is a time where 
the UCC program was a national championship contender, you know, every year. Um, you got, mm-hmm. and the program ended up getting there, but, um, what was it like? What was the jump like, especially coming off an, a knee injury? What was your confidence and how did you go about actually getting on the team? You mentioned that a buddy was heading there. Um, yeah, just interested yeah. to hear how you ended up joining that program and, and being coached by Nevin and, and just a, you know, the, some of the names that you got to work with and play with. And I think Nevin really coached a style that fit um, to the type Who of player that was up there as well. So yeah. touch a little bit on yeah. that and, and that jump as a player. Well, I, I guess um, we, I came in and it was kind of the first year that I was around the program um, and we, we were we were pretty average, actually. It was Nevin's first year there and I kind of hopped along and, and I don't know if you want to call it manager. I don't know if you want to call it uh, assistant coach. I just, again, I was a bit of a hanger on uh, the, my, Nevin's first year that, there and then that was 96, was that 96, 97. Yeah, yeah, and that okay. was the year, and so I was there that year, but again, a little bit more of a, you know, hey, sit beside him on the bench, maybe not, I'm quite not experienced enough to be an assistant coach, but again, manager, if you want to call it that, and then the next year, I got the opportunity to play, um, kind of just rehabbed appropriately, kind of got, the strength and conditioning part was a big thing for me, and and so I had the opportunity to play, and and we actually, again, we were kind of slotted in that three, four. I think we were third in league play. And, and again, it was yourself at Langara. You guys were the one seed. Malaspina was the two seed, or maybe it was vice versa. But we, I mean, the league was, again, the golden years of the league. That was when BC was winning every every single year. We were winning a provincial, well, obviously a provincial championship, but a, but a national championship. And... Um, you know, to play against, to play against, you know, Jason Eichenberger every day in practice. And, and I always remember Eichenberger, you know, he had one, he had the widest shoulders I've ever seen on anybody, on any human being. Good God, did he ever. He did. Oh, they were ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. They were ridiculous. But you put him in the weight room and, and he could not bench 135, but he would chuck guys five feet off across the floor. Like it was just unbelievable. Like the incredible farm boy man strength that he had versus weight room strength was the the disparity between the two were absolutely incredible um but he'd he'd tear your head off on the floor and so had him jeff jeff gay uh from southern okanagan he was he was a pretty good player for us and and we actually that year we were actually pretty good you know nevin did did a job and, and built kind of the style of team uh, that he wanted, he uh, he always wanted kind of two posts, high low action. Um, some he was he was a little bit, uh, or he was a, a a U of A grad, so and he coached at U of A for a long period of time. In their Shout in their back to backs, Don Horwood, yeah. So we ran a lot of U of A's power offense, and you know we kind of had the the six five six six two hundred and twenty pound guys that you could run it run it for and and so again that some of the names that kind of came through my era up there i mean there were some pretty talented ball players up there and we were we went from being a program that would you know be kind of in that four five six hole to constantly being one two or three and i think that's you know nevin built a perennial you know, CC or a, well, CCAA and a, and a BCCAA powerhouse um, 
Again, names get back to names. Ryan Porter, who was player of the year in the country. Um, Sean Garvey, who ended up, you know, being Nationals MVP one year and had himself a, a pretty good career. Uh, you know, Sky Buck um, was, was an All-Canadian. Kirk Dale was a second-team conference All-Star. And all these guys were Valley guys. And that was the one thing that I would say that the way Nevin built it was he, he, won, he won local. Like he just, he just got all the best guys in the Valley and, or, or interior BC and, and it worked for him. And, you know, it was, you know, there's, you know, you look at schools like Langara and, and Douglas at the time and Capilano, they were very much, much more, you know, two years and move guys on. Whereas in the, it, at UCC, you know, guys would stay for three, four, five years. Well, I guess it would only have been four at the time, but you know, guys stay for four years. And that was a big difference as well. Yeah, for sure. That's a huge point. And, you know, I mean, if they're coming to UCC and they're, you know, staying in residence or whatever, they're, they're getting like a university experience anyways and, and finishing yeah, it absolutely. out. And, um, uh, I remember too, cause that 97, 98 year, uh, I think we split with Mal, um, yeah. and then did you guys must've beat them then we, in the we played in them in the semi, the semi. Right? yeah yeah we we, we beat them you, we in got two bursts you guys end up finishing third in the country right yeah yeah we ended up finishing third in the country we so we beat them actually the week prior to nationals or or sorry uh to provincials or two weeks prior to and that's when we kind of fried just remember the, us us as a team going okay we have a chance of being pretty good right it you know we're we have a chance here and and so we ended up, I, I can't remember whether it was you guys were the one and, and Mal was the two and we were the three or if you guys were the two and we were the four and Mal was the one. I just don't remember. Um, but we ended up playing Mal in the semi and it was at Langara. I think it was at Langara, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I think, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, it was at your gym. Yeah, so, and then we played, <clears throat> you know, we upset, so we must upset the them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you would have been the one. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I think we... I think you could consider it an upset, even though maybe it wasn't an upset at the time. Um, and then we ended up, you know, first national appearance for a UCC team, I believe, that I remember anyways. And I remember us, you know, going out and playing Sheridan and and just getting the <laughs> the doors blown off us in the first round. Uh, just uh, whether it was, hey, we were just, you know, just bright-eyed and, and kind of... Um, just basically a little bit nervous and then once we kind of settled down we we ended up beating Humber and Sheridan on the Saturday on the the bronze the backdoor bronze which everybody loves so much uh the backdoor bronze we beat we beat the OCAA in in one full day so uh to win the bronze and then you know we had to wear those god-awful denim dress shirts Okay, and okay. go get go get our bronze medal and watch you guys beat up on Dawson in the final and you guys get the gold and you know we 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 get to we get to uh have an after party in our denims so <laughs> now they, you they, they were they were bad they were bad they were bad so for those that don't know the ucc team had um um fashion matching denim <laughs> dress shirts that's amazing stuff right there um, I remember, I remember just get like everybody just looking at us going, oh, almost WTF. 
like everybody just kind of us walking in with our matching denims and our red UCC basketball embroidery on the left chest. And it was, <laughs> oh my gosh. We had ponies too, um, eh? We were sponsored by you ponies. Guys were sponsored we got free, by pony? Yeah, we had free we had free shoes. Yeah, we got free shoes that year. We were sponsored what? by Pony. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. What? Yeah, oh yeah. It was good that's great am- stuff. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. That is un- unreal actually. I think yeah, I actually I'm looking still, it up here. I still might have the pony t shirt somewhere. Wow. I know. That's that's unreal. Yeah, yeah you guys played I don't even know, but do you want to talk about um, the, the 1998 BCCA final, or do we want to move on from that? Yeah, let's move on from that. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to. We don't need to watch. We don't need to talk about uh, an, another another one. So another loss to another top end team that ends up winning the national championship. Good Lad Clothing is the most unique shopping experience in the Lower Mainland. The owner, Shane Meyer, has worked hard to create a personal experience, offering clothing, specialized coffee, haircuts, and beard trims. Located in Lower Lonsdale at 221 West Esplanade in North Vancouver, seconds from the C-Bus. If you are unable to make it to the store, you can shop online at shopthefoldgroup.com. And oh yeah, in-store, if you mention a hoops journey, you'll receive 15% off anything store-wide. We want to take a moment and thank our sponsor, Parkside Brewery. Located in the heart of Port Moody on Brewers Row, Parkside offers an amazing atmosphere with one of the best summer patios around. If you can't make it to the brewery located at 2731 Murray Street, then hit any government retail store and try the Don Pilsner, the Dusk Pale Ale, or my favorite, the Dreamboat Hazy IPA. A Hoops Journey promises that the beer at Parkside is much, much, much better than the owner, Sam Payne's Streaky Jump Shot. We hope to see you Parkside. (laughs) But I think it's interesting that, you know, early on right away, you see... Um, whether you're even thinking about it, which you're probably not because you're just yeah. young and going to school yeah. and having fun and being part of a team is like, you're seeing, um, a program develop in front of you, right? You're seeing, Absolutely. Yeah. um, you know, you're seeing Nevin put the work in and, and trying to build a program and what it takes. And so I'm, I'm guessing that probably those are a lot of great moments for you that you look back on and probably are think- soaking in without even realizing it. Yeah, and I think now, I mean, you, you look back at it 20, again, 20-ish years later, um, you look back at it and you go, wow, you know, hey, we were, we were a part of the building and, and the growth and maturation of a program, and you take little snippets of it. I mean, I'm not going to take every, every little bit that Nevin, Nevin did at, at UCC and Kamloops, but... I mean, I, I want to take my own, but hey, I, you were there. You were a, a part of it. I mean, the other thing too is from a coaching perspective, 20 years later, you realize just, you know, even sitting there saying, talking my way through it to you is you realize how many big games you've been a part of. And, you know, I mean, big games at the provincial, national level, you know, high school, Valley Championship level, and just how fortunate you were to be around very competitive teams 
and you know maybe not always being on the the winning end of it but you know again you you're just in an environment that breeds breeds success for sure and you know you're saying oh you know we never when you were there didn't actually you know get the national title but you you were also talked about just trying to get to the agrodome but then you play yep. a program and you finish third third and fourth in the nation right so yeah, yeah absolutely. you know to be able to actually see what it takes to get there and and you know you can't not look back at our age and be like wow we actually finished third in the country like that's an accomplishment yeah, <laughs> you yeah know, i mean you're gonna win it all yeah and it, i mean that that 2000 2001 team uh that we finished fourth in the country we were a little bit of a national championship or bust mode like that was that was the year that we were going to be very very good and i mean hey we were in humber and we lose to humber in a semi-final and, and humber wins the national championship going away so um, right. You know, I, I think it's just, I, I think, again, it's just some of it's timing, some of it is, but you're, you've put yourself in a position to be successful and, and then the chips fall where they may af after that. But again, you're just around high level. Yeah, absolutely. That, yeah, for sure. And, and I think, you know, we just somehow whatever the word is we just take that in without even really realizing it and Absolutely. using that experience yeah. down, down learning, the road lear um, learning by osmosis boy. yeah I know, um right? so then so then let's just talk about how coaching how you start to jump into coaching from there you know you finish up playing um have some fun years what does that look like because your journey is like it's like the I bounce. You know, I know the young people don't get it. Yeah, the peanuts, the peanuts cartoon where they have yeah. the footsteps, and it's like yeah. if you were, there was a map of Canada. It's like holy smokes, look at this guy. Um, yeah. But yeah, again, like a Scotty Morrison in a different way, or you know whoever else, like a Jay Triano, you were willing to to just do things maybe others weren't, right? Like some I, I think you with jobs and yeah. go. Ah, you know what? That's not for me. But you're yeah. like, yeah, you know what? I want to learn and I want to grow and I'm and I'm passionate about this. Well, I think, I, I think it's, are, I mean, if you truly are passionate to be around the sport, I mean, listening to, to Scotty Morrison's pod on the way home doing laundry, like, I mean, it, you have to check your ego at the door. And I think, you know, like you said, a lot of people aren't necessarily willing to do that. And, you know, I remember last year at Douglas and, and we're the number one ranked team in the country in the country and having a great year. And, but I'm still doing, I'm still doing washing the uniforms from time to time. Right. So again, I think it's just, again, you're checking your ego at the door because you know, you want to be around in sport and it's not all glamor. It's not always rainbows and roses. And, and I, I think that from a, from a coaching journey perspective, you know, uh, again, there was, there's so much learning that you can do even from doing the grunt work of, of a, of a college basketball team or high school basketball team. And, and you just have to, you know, view it, view it non-egotistically. And, and I think if you do that, you're going to be in a position where you're going to be successful, whatever the successful level that is. So, um, as far as the, like the journey goes into coaching, I mean, again, just was very fortunate. I had a run there where I, I coached with some very high level coaches and was just was very fortunate to be an assistant coach under Nevin Gleddy, under, uh, I mean, then I went to UBC for a year for, with Kevin and then, um, and then went back to Kamloops and ended up, uh, <coughs> coaching with Tom Elwood on the women's side, who was a, he was a fantastic basketball mind. 
and then yeah, Ken Olenek. And then, and, sorry, go ahead. Tom Elwood knows a little bit about basketball. Yep. Yeah, he, he does. He also yep. knows a lot about yep. denim too, right? So uh, his <laughs> cowboy, cowboy boots, boots man. Cowboy boots, yeah. So, I, I mean, again, you've just been very, very fortunate to surround myself, uh, whether it be consciously or subconsciously, around some great basketball minds. And and then when, you know, kind of timing is timing is everything, as as almost everybody's alluded to on your pod. I, I listened to Hadley's and his was timing. And Scotty Morrison's was timing and you know it's it, 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 a lot of it is and it's it, I mean Kev's line is you know you got to be good to be lucky and lucky to be good so you know part of it is you fall into these positions and it just led me to a variety of different programs learning under a variety of different coaches different philosophies um, you know get a chance at, at Sate uh, on the women's side to kind of get my first college college coaching job and I mean wow would I would I have been a disaster back then if if I could take 2020 coach Joe and put him back into 20 2007 coach Joe it would have been a it would have been interesting to see where my career would have taken me but you you live you learn you you grow you and you and you just get better for sure and I, that's something that I I firmly believe as well. Like I think about my actions as a younger coach. Oh and maybe, gosh. Uh, it's just, but if I continue, if we continue to be the same 15 years later, well then that's just not growing. Well, right? you, so Yeah, absolutely. I, think, I mean, I, I remember yeah. Mitch, some funny story. I remember get my very first high school basketball team. I coached uh, as a head coach was the Valley View Vikings. And so a little bit of un in Kamloops. And uh, I know the Vikes, and get I get tossed out of a gym in Chase, Chase, BC, and so I, as I'm walking out of their tournament final, I do a little bow, a little curtsy, and it's Chase, BC. So everybody's at the game, everybody in the town of Chase is at the game, and I'm getting booed, and and yeah, the next we a little uh, two days later, we had to go back to Chase to play in a league game, and. Thanks, you know, bottles are being thrown at our bus, and oh, it was a mess. And I was just like, yeah, that was all because of me. I'm like, you're an idiot, Joe. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just because I did, I had to, I had to show off and do a little bow curtsy on my way out of the gym. So, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I any coach that we're going to have on this podcast would be lying to us if they didn't say yeah. there wasn't a moment that they would like to take back in terms of yeah. something something like that, right? Yeah, um, yeah, just like a sheer punch a, punch a locker. Or everybody's got to punch the locker story, I'm sure, and break a whiteboard yeah. over their knee, I'm sure. And so, yeah. Oh, yeah. Shout out shout out John Acob uh, and his toe at the Chancellor. We, he can yeah. tell that story to you sometime. <laughs> um, I believe I got a, uh, I broke a clipboard one year um and then i i didn't have a backup that game so i used oh. athletic tape and taped it together oh you taped it together eh? and then oh yeah See, well, i just I used the half anything. and then after yeah well you would eh yeah yeah, oh, yeah i just used the half um <laughs> and then that's smart actually and then uh i threw it in the garbage after little did i know one of the guys on the team grabbed it and then they presented it to me at the end of the year as my like <laughs> coaching gift <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome yeah and see those those Unreal. guys i mean those guys will you'll you'll look back at it and go oh my gosh what did i do i was 
you know, wow, did I show my youth there? I mean, you were you were probably forty two mm -hmm. when you did you did that, Mitch. But um, I, you know, wow. you look back, <laughs> you look back at it, and the the guys will remember that forever. That you were so mad that you broke a clipboard, like. You know, you're going to look back at it as a growth opportunity. The guys look back at it and go, wow, <laughs> coach was an idiot yeah. that night. So, yeah. yeah, broke a clipboard over a high school boys basketball game, probably on Absolutely. like a Saturday morning in Langley for yeah. a fourth place at some tournament like yeah, okay yeah, buddy absolutely. yeah good job time coach. to be better yeah yeah um and then you go you go off to mount royal as well um yeah. and you know and and actually really turn the program around there right you start out no i i went know, the other way i know the, the program was actually in a really good spot and uh okay. And I kind of, it kind of went downward, <laughs> to be honest. Um, well, looking at, but looking at, says your first year, you went five and seventeen. Oh no, that was that was first year of um, of U Sport. So I, that was after oh, that, okay. after that. So I was there for the transition phase of oh, okay. college so you made the CCAA. Jump from CCAA to U Sport. Yeah, yeah, that was the year oh, right. I was there. So we went. Uh, I think we finished second in the conference the year before at the at the. ACAC level and then uh, the next year uh, the next year we ended up um, going U sport so and that was the year we went five and 17 so and what was uh, that and what was that like like that's an interesting transition as well it's just I don't know this is why I love this podcast is because there's yeah, things that come absolutely. up that we like I know you coached at Mount Royal but yeah. not fully conscious of your part of coaching when you make yeah. that jump and yeah and and then realizing like oh man that changes recruiting that changes who yeah. we need to bring in that changes how we travel like yeah, so absolutely. many different things right and and then i i like, was fortunate again, enough so many at, learning experiences yeah absolutely i mean i was very fortunate at mount royal uh the five so i was at mount royal for i believe it was six um but at mount royal I, it was this the first five years i was still a full-time coach on campus uh, which at the CCAA level is not very doesn't prevalent. Doesn't yeah. exist. You know, yeah. it definitely doesn't exist in BC. Um, so, I mean, I was very fortunate. So the day-to-day the -day didn't change necessarily. But the, you know, again, you go up to it, you jump up a level and, and it's now it's people's full-time jobs to to try to get the most out of their teams on a, on a year to year basis. And, and so I think that that was, I was pretty fortunate in that I already was on campus full time. Um, so that lessened the transition. Uh, but I think moving up, the one thing that I realized going back is just, I tried to win now. And, and I think I took that approach uh, into my Mount Royal jump into U Sport. I, I basically wanted a college all-star team and just basically went out and tried to go to war. And, and what I realized was I didn't necessarily develop the culture the right way or what I believe to be the right way. I didn't necessarily build from the ground floor. And, and so that was gr a great coaching lesson for me is that I just don't think I built it the right way and I should have built it a little bit more long-term sustainable you know with with great with great people not I'm not saying that that there was anybody that wasn't great in the program they were all fantastic people it just I didn't lead to the best of my ability and so I think that the moving moving on and, and moving on to 
you know, I'm sure we'll talk about it later, but moving on to the Fraser Valley, I, I definitely would use that transition phase as a great learning opportunity for me. And, and you know, I, again, you're competing against national team level coaches on a day-to-day -day basis now at the, at the U Sport level. So I think it was an interesting transition. It wasn't, it was one that maybe looking back at it, I wasn't quite ready for. And, you know, I, I think it was, again, it got, gave me great experience, but it also gave me great uh, learning opportunities. Yeah, and then it just humbles you a bit too, right? In realizing Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, you, when you jumped, you had some great playing years at UCC, then, you know, as a coach, you part of some national championships, some second places, some thirds, like yeah. some yeah. good moments. And then going to, you know, a place like Mount Royal, it's, it's transitioning to U Sport, and it's like, whoa, okay, this is. This is the reality of how you have to have to work to build a program. So, well, and I, cool experiences. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and I think the one thing that I undervalued was what what actually the the the, the mental side of the game and and what losing can do to do do to a player's confidence and and you know how can you help them through the ups and downs not necessarily on the floor, but off the floor as well. And, and so I think that's one area where, you know, that I'll always revert back to the Mount Royal days as, you know, great, a great learning opportunity for that in and of itself. Yeah. Awesome. Um, let's just jump right to quickly before we get to Douglas, just, um, you know, talk about, you, you got to coach at TRU for a couple of years with, with Scotty Clark and, um, you know, he's been mentioned in the podcast a few times and, yeah, uh, you know, I worked with Jay and and uh, stuff like that. But talk about I know it must have been so cool. You guys got to go down to Gonzaga and play uh, at Gonzaga. Yeah. Um, now the, Unreal the score experience. probably yeah the score probably wasn't fun, but who cares? Um, yeah. Who was on that team? And just talk about what it was like to play at a prime Division One program because Gonzaga for the last twelve fifteen years has been a tournament team and at times a national contender right so how was yeah. that and and um what were so some they, things that you took away whether funny or good or whatever well it's great an amazing experience first first and foremost i think that's the overarching theme of it and and you know if i can ever get get our fraser valley guys down to gonzaga i will i'll take it in a heartbeat but um so basically go down there and that's uh that's uh, pangos is their starting point guard gary bells they're starting two Wiltger, Sabonis, Karnowski. That was the team that lost in the Elite Eight to Duke. And Duke ended up winning it that year. Uh, that was with uh, Jaleel Okafor and, and that um, Winslow and that Duke team. So that was Kentucky's. Kentucky was one and Gonzaga was two in the country for a majority of the year. Um, but uh anyway we go down there and it's you know everything is just first class you have a meal uh, you know they have a meal ready for you after sh after your shoot you get onto the floor and i mean we're their first i think we're their first game of the year and so place is just jam-packed to play who thompson rivers university who um and you know what we actually from a coaching perspective we every tv timeout which was 16 12 8 and 4 we wanted to we wanted to win i think it was uh, i think we wanted to win two or three of those that was kind of our goal going into it and we actually uh, i think we only lost by about 25 i think what the final score was 98 something 98 70 
73, something, something around that vicinity anyway. So we actually performed rather admirably, admirably for us. So um, that was just, you walk in and from the three minute mark in, in warm up until their first score, they're jumping. All of the fans in the crowd are just jumping. They're just jumping on their feet and they're all kind of timed perfectly. So it's just, it's almost like a little bit of a Thunderdome mentality. And, uh, you know, again, they, 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 Karnowski, Karnowski's a big dude. And I have a picture of, of our starting five man who was, you know, not a small guy, 6'8", 240. You know, and he's, he's getting a screen set on him by Karnowski. And it's just, it's unbelievable the size difference. And so just the level of, of play on their part was, was phenomenal to watch. And even at that point of the year, we ran Princeton. So they weren't used to necessarily getting that deep into a, a getting that deep into shot clock because the 30 second shot clock actually was beneficial for us. And so we actually ended up, you know, for the first little bit surprising them and then kind of reality set in. So, but uh, again, just uh, an amazing environment to play in. The talent level obviously was NBA high. I mean, Sabonis was a freshman that year and he's now an NBA all-star. I think he had a double double on us at ten and ten as a as a first game freshman. Um, you know, Mark Few comes out. You know, comes out, and it's just it's almost surreal, especially for being a guy from the Okanagan who never you know always watched it on TV, but never had really seen that level before, and and especially seen it live. Um, so yeah, it was an amazing experience, and then. We're on the, then we go to Sonic the Hedgehog on the way out of town in the bus and the team bus driven by Scotty Clark. And we stop at Sonic for an hour. We get on the road and Scott Clark gets pulled over by Spokane police. And so I guess he was going a little too fast and the cop goes, okay, what's, you know, what were you guys doing in town? And sure enough, he gets, he gets away with the, just a warning because we had just played the Gonzaga Bulldogs. So that was, that was pretty funny. We were all making fun of him after that, but, um, just, a, just an amazing experience. And then you know, coaching with Scott was just who now, I mean, him and I talk two to three times a week. I mean, he, I think he's just one of, one of the guys who just resonates technical basketball. Uh, I mean, I think he's one of the best technical minds I've ever had the opportunity to coach with and, and be a part of his program. And I think he, he's just, he has his Princeton style of offense and he's, he's going to recruit to guys to fill that, that type of offense. You know, he's got his defensive principles and he's very, cut and dry in his approach to the game of basketball and and it, it definitely has worked for him he's had a tremendous level of success over over a sustained period of time for sure um that's awesome love the gonzaga stuff <laughs> love the getting pulled over as well um uh so before like, you jump into douglas and yeah. you know have a lot of success there and we're able to build like a you know a really strong program um, but within that too, you're also working for basketball BC. And when, you know, looking at your resume, just think about how many different players you've seen over the last <laughs> like 15, 20 years of your life is crazy. The amount of ID camps you've been to, uh, provincial oh, teams you've coached, levels yeah. you've coached, um, you know, and, and then have, you know, a couple great years at Douglas, get to a national final. Who knows what would happen this year? You guys would have probably gone in as the one seed and, and, had a good run as well um and then just have a you know obviously some 
some luck in getting the UFV job. Um, I want to talk a little bit about going forward, like the next five, six years for you and your program, because um, I'm obviously aware of time and we appreciate you sitting down with us. Um, what is your vision for the program as a, as a U sport coach? What are you looking for in your athletes? Um, well, and, and, and how are you going to approach the program? If you don't mind answering that question. Yeah, yeah I think for sure. For cool. sure. You're in a, you're in a spot where, you know, UFV came off a pretty decent year last year. Um, yeah. and you're coming off two great years at Douglas where, you know, you guys were a contender or three great year. Was it three, three, we had three, three, pretty, yeah. three pretty good years. Yeah. yeah. yeah for okay. sure so how's the next five six years looking for you and what are some of your goals and visions that you have well i, I mean i think going into it i think this year it's such a weird year to take over a program and i think you know while most first years for any coach taking over a program are are you know a little bit have their have their ups and downs um i, I think this year is a year where you know, you're you're getting to know the student athlete. Um, on again, I keep saying this. My wife always makes fun of me of using the word holistic, but I, I think you, I think you're getting to know them, the the holistic student athlete. Like you're getting to to know them more as students. You're getting to know them more as people than you are necessarily as basketball players right now because of COVID. And so I think that. Um, you know, really developing relationships early and, and again, developing the relationship on a personal level with the, with the student athletes. And then, you know, seeing kind of through practices, through potential exhibitions, what we kind of need. And, and then, again, I, I, the biggest thing is I don't want the quick fix. I'm going to be less concerned about record in year one as I am more concerned about building the culture and doing it what we believe to be the right way, building the, the uh, personality that, that can be UFV men's basketball. And I think that doing that, we're going to have a little bit more sustainable success. And, and that's the approach that we're taking. We're building a little bit more long-term so that you know, in three, four, five years from now, we can be you know, considered amongst, amongst the top three or four teams in Canada West on a regular basis, on a year-in, year-out basis and get ourselves to a national tournament and, and build that way. But I know it's going to be, Douglas was, and I use this analogy a couple of times, Douglas was very much a firecracker where we could just light the fuse and it would explode and we'd be as good as we could be in that year. Hence, you know, hence the number two, number two team in the country that year. But then we had to reset and then we had to bring in nine new guys, 10 new guys. And then we were fortunate enough to, um, to again, be pretty successful in our recruiting. And then the, this year, we were going to kind of see the, the firecracker explode again. And then we'd have to kind of reset again. So whereas at Fraser Valley, I, I want it to be a much more sustainable long-term burn, I guess, if you want to call it that metaphorically. And where, again, where the fire just builds and builds and builds, and then it's just impossible to put out. So... That's kind of the approach that we're taking with terms of our recruiting and, you know, again, our vision long term. It's we're not I, I've learned my lesson in terms of going after the right here, right now players. And, and I, I think I'm looking a little bit more long term in in our approach to recruiting. Nice. Um, 
just a couple more questions all out for sure. you and, and then Corbs will ask and then we'll move to the most important part about you know I'm ready for that one buddy let's go um, what advice would you give you know regardless let's say COVID doesn't exist right now but what advice would yep. you give someone going into grade 11 or 12 right now um, in terms of what do you feel a coach is looking for um, from a basketball standpoint well, I, I think where kids, uh, where athletes often get misled is, uh, I think for, for me, and, and, and I, can, I mean, I can only speak to our program in particular, um, but I think in, like for us, what's important is how do they, how do they represent themselves during times of, adver of adversity, uh, how do they, you know, on the floor specifically, I mean, everybody's going to recruit the guys with the basketball in their hands 95% of the time. But what, are you else, what else are you bringing to the table? Um, I, I think what happens is guys at the high school level, you know, hey, player X is averaging 22 a game. Well, realistically, unless you're Randy Knorr, Aaron Mitchell, those level of guys going to the college level, I mean, most guys will start off at the bottom of the totem pole again. And so most players, you know, if you're if you're the, the top dog at, you know, St. Thomas More this this upcoming year, and you go to a college, you might not make the college roster, or you might be the red shirt, or you know, you might be the tenth, eleventh, twelfth man. And so, what I would say is, how do you adjust to that? How do you adjust to not being the 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 top dog? And what else can you bring? to that promotes winning basketball um uh, again I, I think it's kids get lost in the what, what with because they have the ball in their hands so much that they don't know what to do without it in their hands so how else can you impact it how well do you rebound the basketball how well do you play on the ball defense how well do you you know as your help side defense because again how well do you guard ball screens how you know um a lot of it on the defensive end there but how well do you set screens are you the are the are you going to be the intangible guy, right? Where you're diving on the floor after loose balls, being the great teammate, being a not not a distraction in the classroom. Are you are you growing in in the classroom? Are you being great in the community? Those are all things that we would look for, because again, there's so few guys that are going to be your top two or three guys, right? And those guys are the guys that I want to take shots. I want, you know, so again, you're probably not getting there if you're a freshman, you're probably not getting there till your second or third or fourth year. So, and, and you might never get there. So I think it's, it's a scenario where work on your other stuff, work on your other stuff, be, find something else other than scoring that you can be the very, very best at and go and sell that. So that, that would be my advice to, to the younger players, right, wrong, or indifferent. Appreciate that answer. Yeah. And I, and I think especially with each level you move up you're looking for pieces right and Absolutely. you're also looking Absolutely. for you're also looking for someone who will show up and be willing to be your 12th guy and maybe be on the border of traveling for road trips or not and is willing to just put in the work and be a good teammate right and I, and yeah, absolutely um yeah there's just so many things i think the young kids can learn so that's great corbs do you have a question well, i think uh, sorry uh, just to cut, just to cut you off yeah like I, I'll, I'll always remember. I think it was Sam Mitchell uh, was doing. Was at, I don't know if you've seen this, Mitch and Corbs. I, I, I mean, Sam Mitchell did an AAU clinic. Uh, had a bunch of super studs, and and he kind of ripped into him a little bit and said, "There's only one James Harden on the Houston Rockets." 
Like you're not get you're not you're not getting the basketball ever. So you know Clint Capella, how how are you going to find ways to score? How fa- how are you going to find ways to impact the game? You know I know Clint Capella now is not with them anymore, but that was the example that he used. Like how do you you know at at our level the top three guys are going to take a majority of the shots. So how else do you impact what we believe to be winning basketball? Awesome. Um, Okay, so my question for you, Joe, if you you don't mind uh, talking about your uh, evolution as a coach, because I'm just going to assume as you, you know, as you started off coaching at, uh, you know, high school, you're pulling a lot from, you know, your own personal experiences as a player and, you know, probably some, you know, things that you're pulling from your high school coaches, from your college coach, etc. So um, I'm just curious how you started developing, you know, your own identity kind of in terms of, you know, creating your own personality, building, you know, your own philosophies and building a team and the X's and O's and how you pull and what, what you pull from and developing that confidence in yourself as a coach. Well, I think, uh, I think the one thing that I would say is you, from every coach, coach, coach under as many people and learn from as many people as you possibly can. I I think, you know, I was very fortunate that the, the coaches that I learned from were, were, you know, widely regarded to be very, very high level. And, and so you just pull a little bit, oh, I like this piece. I'm, I'm going to incorporate that in my own way. And, and this, I think this communication style works. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to make it mine, but again, I'm going to pull it a little bit. Maybe I like this terminology better. And, and again, be, again, if you're, you're in a growth mindset, but you're also in a, borrow slash steal mindset from other great coaches and and i think you have to use that you know to build what you believe but you also have to have the basis of what you believe in what you value what your moral code is and and i think everything that you pull will just help accentuate that i think as far as far as evolution of a coach i I do believe that you got to get punched in the mouth or or punched in the stomach and kind of get you know, get your, your ego in check a little bit at some point in your career and, and in order to grow, in order to truly reach your potential. And, you know, I do remember Scotty Morrison on the pod saying, you know, he was almost fired at Lakehead. You know, it was almost over before it started. And I think that that, that was probably, you know, took him to, you know, again, he, he had to force to force, he was forced to look at himself and, forced to grow and and forced to take a a hard look at what what wasn't going right and and then he just ascended to unparalleled heights right and and so i think you have to be willing to do that and for me that moment you know that moment came at mount royal when it was just like okay i i'm not very good right i you know i thought i was pretty nice and and now i'm not very good and so you know finding your confidence is, is huge and and realizing that from a confidence perspective, don't build your confidence on, on wins and losses. Uh, I think as soon as you do that, your, your highs are going to be really, really high and your lows are going to be really, really low. And, and I did that earlier in my, early in my career, to be honest. And I, and I probably did that, you know, even up to about four or five years ago in in my career. And and it wasn't until I got to Douglas that, you know, I, I realized, Hey, I, you know, you are pretty good and, but you can always get better. And so, understand that and you, uh, again keep working like for Corbs you as a younger coach working with guys like Mitch working with 
I mean, it's hard to put ourselves, Mitch, in into the works. We're starting to become the old gray hairs. I know, but I know. That's it's fair. that's. Uh, but we are, and and so now putting yourself in an environment where you're forced to learn, and you know, again, you're not going to like everything, and you don't have to. Uh, just take take little snippets of what you like and what you don't like, and you know, you can disregard that other stuff, and and just build your own philosophical belief, but. You stay, stay true to that, I think, would be uh, the last kind of resonating messages. You know, you build your core values, but you always stay true to those core values, whatever they are. And they're going to be a little bit different for everybody. All right, man. Here we go. You ready? Uh, oh, you know I'm ready. It's already been okay. a Twitter battle about it, so... Uh, <laughs> wait till you listen to Triano. He uh, he throws the biggest remix yet on the uh, okay, macaroni right. for sure. Okay, um, fair enough. Fair enough. All right, we'll mix it up a little bit here. Uh, sure. Who's the greatest player? Now, you go, let's go from a, a playing against perspective and then a coaching okay. against perspective. So who's who's because you've had lots of experience in that. Um, yeah. Who who are those people that you've seen? Uh, playing against, I mean, in country, Randy obviously was up there, you know, you, you were pretty damn good back in, back in your heyday, although now you're more stuck in pickleball, uh, fame. Um, hey, I think there is, there is glory. <laughs> there is glory in pickleball championships. Let uh, me tell you. All right. Yeah. Your, your partner, <laughs> your partner carries you, man. Um, wow. Anyways, I'm thanks joking, for listening. Thanks for listening to Hoops Journey. Uh, we appreciate our sponsor. <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 fair enough. Um, All right. Uh, no, I'm, you know I'm kidding, man. Uh, we got uh, probably Dickerson, Michael Dickerson, Omar Givens, who was on that UCLA national championship team, played against him. Um, he was he was the end of the bench guy and ended up. I think he ended up going to Pepperdine. Uh, Jordy McTavish was obviously really good, and I think you know, had he probably made another, you know, another university choice for himself right out of high school, maybe maybe ended up maybe ends up in the show. I don't know, um, but he would be he would be up there as well. Um, just was very fortunate. Kind of came through again, like I said, kind of came through the the era of you know there were some really good ball players in the CCAA and Prosper Karanga. You know, there was, you know, just to name drop a few guys, but Prosper Karanga, Robbie Valparada, you know, there's a lot of good, good players in the CCAA and, and in the Okanagan Valley at the high school level at the time. Uh, as far as coaching against, oh gosh. Um, I mean, Kareem Mane, who just declared himself eligible for the NBA draft. We were kind of hoping to, to get a shot at him at Douglas uh it, against Vanier in the in the national final that's what we were kind of hoping for this year um but he's the first CJEP guy to declare himself eligible for the NBA draft and should be a top 25 guy he was he obviously was pretty good um coached against Iggy Ignatius Bra Iggy I, I'm just going to say Iggy from place for the Knicks now when he was at Orangeville um Orangeville prep uh coached against you know, obviously the Gonzaga game is, is huge because you got Sabonis, who's an NBA All-Star. Um, yeah, Pred Karnowski, who, you know, was pretty good. Pangos, who's an all-time Canada great. Um, 
Yeah, I just, I mean, again, been very fortunate to see a lot of high-level guys. I mean, no disrespect to anybody I'm leaving out because I'm sure there's, I'm missing probably, you know, probably quite a few guys. So, yeah, that's a bit It's a lot of dudes. You didn't just have to say my name because it's our yeah, podcast, uh, but that's cool. Yeah, well, Thanks. I got, I got um, my pickleball plug in, so there you go. Pickleball. Uh, that was the goal I mean, coming into you, it. That might be my future, man. Yeah. How many you, got some, you, you, do, you do have some skill, man. Thank you. You've seen it. Um, I, I have seen it live. I know the answer to this, but who to you is uh, the greatest player of all time? Yeah, it's easy. I, I think uh, MJ, I don't think it's, I actually don't think it's close. Uh, I think it's just transcended the game from, uh, from a level of obviously on the floor. It was just a different... I think that the young guys are now starting to appreciate him a little bit more in The Last Dance. I'm glad that that documentary was definitely released early during COVID so we could also in, enjoy life a little bit more Monday mornings on Netflix. Um, you know, again, I think what he did do was he turned basketball. I mean, it started, it definitely started with Magic and Larry and kind of the ball was rolling a little bit, but Jordan just took it to the to the next level and and again transcended sport transcended entertainment and i think that he you know i mean he's still obviously is a big part of it he, i mean for being the best best player ever to play the game or the goat he definitely might be the worst owner of in history of in history of the game too so uh, i mean everybody's got their strengths and weaknesses so um <laughs> but he Love yeah it. to me he's to me he was the he, he was the greatest period so, so on so on so many different levels. Nice. We jump into the car. We're going for a quick ride. Oh, What's spinning the... on the top five? Or do you have a top five? Um, I you know I know I know you're from Vernon and you spent time in Kamloops, <laughs> so you know you you might be into yeah some ACDC, some I don't country. What do I say? I don't know. I'm not not here to judge. Foreigner, some classic eighties journey. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, you, you always need some classic eighties for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was funny when we did right now, isn't he? No, it was funny when we were doing. Maybe we did like the send some warm up songs, and it was like um, Robbie Kinnear just put like ACDC was the warm up song at UVic, and then yeah. like Chris McLaughlin, who's like what is he probably 10 years younger than him is like, Oh, this was a classic at UVic. Like that ACDC yeah. has stuck there for so long. For, I love it. For Anyways, 30 ish years. Uh, right. So, yeah. Do you have an opinion on some rappers or like, what's your Spotify? Is it all over the place? Let's hear Spot it. Spotify is all over the place. Really, really feeling the actual, the pods right now, to be honest, it's a, it's about a 35 minute drive out to Fraser Valley. So I get to get a good opportunity to use it to get better. And, you know, I mean, hey, I, I can recite the words to van Vanilla Ice, Ice, Ice Baby, but uh, I mean, I, I think I, I want to use that time wisely. So right now it's some pods, variety of different pods. Uh, as far as rappers go, I'm a little like Biggie, Tupac, a little bit of, uh, I actually listened to a little bit of Naughty by Nature the other day. Again, I'm much more, I'm a little bit much more inclined with the 90s rap than I am I don't. I couldn't tell you who's the. I mean, Drake is is kind of the one name that keeps coming up. But I I don't know much about the rappers of today. I'm kind of again more of my generation, '90s, uh, Arrested Development. Oh gosh, 
there's a, there's, there's, there's a few, I'm sure, but. Um, yeah, I mean, as far as, as Corp, consistency goes... Corp's just shaking goes, his head at Arrested Development. He's got no idea. Yeah, yeah no clue. No clue. None. It's like a homework None. lesson for him, yeah. yeah. I, and then probably, you know, I think the consistent ones are, you know, again, I heard uh, actually Scotty Morrison repping, repping Chuck D. You know, yeah, I, I got to throw out a little bit more. I'm a little bit more public enemy as a whole. Uh, but those, those type of older school guys, definitely. I mean, nice. and NWA. I went to, so. went to We Love the 90s a, a few summers ago out in Abbotsford. Oh, and uh, yeah. Naughty by Nature was the second to last act. And Tretch was, he was so out of it. I don't know if he was drunk or what he was, <laughs> but he could barely even rap. I was like, wow, mm-hmm. this is why we paid $50 for this. Um, you could re- really, right. really, eh? That, that bad or what? Yeah. It was oh, bad. Wow. Real bad. Yeah, fair, fair um, enough. Okay, let's hear, dude. Ketchup on macaroni is okay. Ket- so I haven't had craft dinner in Lord knows how long. So you just wait. Just I- wait. You got you okay. got about seven or eight months till the boy is just crushing it. But yeah, yeah get the Annie's enough. mac and cheese though. Annie's mac yeah, and cheese we, is we, actually we, way better than KD. Yeah, we we have Andy's now. Like I know we have yeah. two boxes downstairs in the in the in the storage room right now. So I might have to go, go and and give give myself a shout yeah. out, but. Uh, yeah. uh, so craft dinner, Tex-Mex shredded cheese, craft Tex-Mex shredded cheese. Cause it needs a little bit more cheese. You know, uh, you throw some ketchup in there, you throw a little bit of hot sauce and I'm talking in the pot all at the same time. You can, you can maybe throw a little bit of salsa in there, so, but it's gotta be hot, spicy salsa. You stir it all together and you, you throw some some pepper on there at the end of it, and you go. That's 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 my craft dinner. Sub radio side. He just he just he just he turned it into a whole different meal. Yeah, well, I mean, a mac and cheese, mac and ketchup. Yes, ketchup on cheese on mac and cheese, but it's got to be mixed in. All right, man. I- <laughs> I'll have to listen hey, to Triano's. I, I mean, I'm sure he, ha- if he threw a remix in there, then tell me he didn't put mustard in. Mustard no, in. Uh, no, no mustard. Okay, okay. No mustard. Okay, okay. No. Oh, God. Not like mustard and fries. Um, yeah. All right. So obviously. Yeah, mustard and fries is interesting. With, yeah. yeah. Yeah, interesting for sure. You've been yapping yeah. for a long time with us and it's getting nauseating. So you're probably developing some hunger. You run out to the store because um, you're going to sit poolside in the 31 degree weather today. And no, you're going to get what chips? Oh, they, they fluctuates, man. No, no go-tos. I would say the, the That's most fair. reliable. I, let me cut you off here. I res- I respect that. I do respect yeah. that because as a, you know, as a chip guy too, I rarely do I go back to back with the same bag. I get yeah. that. Um, I'm, are you on like a Steve Hansen level where you have like seven bags on the go or? Uh, no, usually my, my wife really loves chips. So when we open a bag of chips, it's usually done. It's usually done right away. But, uh, the, the reliable one is Tostitos, hint of lime, you know, the, the nacho chips with a little bit of that, that lime salt that they put on it. Oh gosh. Uh, and, uh, you know, some really hot salsa. And that's kind of the consistent go-to. But I like I like my lime and black pepper. The hard rock chips right now are pretty pretty on point right now. We had a a spicy dill pickle last night that was phenomenal. 
we went through that Ooh. rather quickly. So it was it was actually really good. It was really and, good. And how and how did it go when you had your sip of coffee this morning? Did the spicy still <laughs> come back to haunt you, or or was it okay? No, no, it was okay. It was okay. Yeah, it was. I mean, right. and we ate them earlier enough though. If it, if it was like nine o'clock at night eating those chips, I think it would have tasted it this morning. But yeah, but I was messaging Forbes last night. It was, it was dad night last night, so Eli and I just ordered pizza, and I just let him watch TV till yeah. bath time. And uh, I don't know, it was like eight forty-five, nine last night, and I went in the fridge and had a piece of pizza, and then woke up at two with the biggest heartburn <laughs> in the entire world. And I'm just like, corpse. Man, this is what happens when you turn forty-two. Yeah, yep. it's true. A, it just it's a thing. Like you literally can't have a piece of pizza after nine o'clock. That's what life nope. has come to you. Hey, cool. Well, yeah, I unless have you to, want to I, walk away downstairs and get a couple tums so you can sleep for yeah. a few more hours, but yeah, I usually have to stop eating by about six o'clock. Otherwise, I'm I'm very similar to you, man. Uh, yeah, two o'clock, three o'clock, waking up. Oh my gosh, oh, tums. My God, man. Gaviscon right, is is your best friend. Exactly. <laughs> so made me think of my dad. I, I'm Anyways. really, I'm really, I'm really ending in the on ending the pot on that note, hey. Eh? No, no, so, no, no, no. Gavis, Two more. Okay, okay, good. Two more questions. Uh, the most important person in your life has been? Uh, mother, wife, son. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, kind of goes without saying. Uh, never really had a father figure growing up. So, I mean, it was definitely, my mom was always, was always very supportive of me. And then, obviously, my wife. And then, you know, obviously, we've got the, the little guy now. And he's been kind of... I think he's probably he obviously has no sense of of what he means to our family right now. But I think it's it's really put perspective uh, for me as a coach. You know, again, you you have a, a bad loss. Not that we've had a lot of losses since he's been born, but we had a you know, if you have a bad loss, you come home and it's just like yeah, like I mean, he doesn't he doesn't care that you lost or who you lost to or how you lost it's just like hey i want my dad so you know you just puts you just have you just put such perspective in in what you're doing in the profession you know so again probably those three well definitely those three. right on and just in case they are listening it's you've covered everything and you won't get in trouble uh, <laughs> <laughs> i don't think, so. I think I, I, my wife my wife hears enough of my <laughs> voice she doesn't need to listen to me on a pod i don't think not that she's not yeah, going to support I mean, you mitch yeah, yeah, my wife's the same. She's just basically like, yeah. are you going to make any money off this thing or is it going to be at all? Because <laughs> other than that, she could care less. Except for Corbin. She loves Corbin. Uh, um, we appreciate then, your time. Awesome story. No we got one more question for you. Oh, sorry. For sure, man. Did you have some to add? Yeah, I just I forgot about the chips, man. I, what, what were the flavor of chips that we had? Just And this is a shout out to a, I don't know if you have to put it in but Parkside Brewing man like what what uh what chips did we have there were we just regular Yeah you went you went uh, sea salt Sea salt yeah, and I okay. say you okay. like I didn't have 15 handfuls myself but Yeah 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 we went through that bag pretty quick Yeah we did Shout shout Parkside. out Parkside Brewing there I I gave it to you or, is, or uh, wow. there you go well I know, right? Wow yeah. applause yeah, we'll edit that in. We'll add some applause for you there. We don't okay, mess around. Awesome. awesome story. Like so many good takeaways. I, I know you're jokingly like, really, man, I got to follow Triano. But 
you know, we talked about, we talked it already. And I, I just think like your journey is great and you've had a drive and a passion and a want to be where you are and you've got there. Um, so if you could do it all again, you would, uh, I mean, probably uh, again, it's, it's one of those things you don't want to necessarily, I'm, I'm pretty happy with where I'm at. I'm, you know, I'm happy, absolutely ecstatic with where I'm at in my life. I think the only thing that I wish I did differently and this is coach mode here a little bit is you know for any younger listeners is you know be when i when i went to shoot at fulton all those mornings 6 30 a.m be very diligent in your approach and and have a plan and i wish i had a plan kind of when i was getting up at 6 30 in the morning to to ride my bike to fulton and, and go shoot for an hour i wish i had some sort of you know workout routine and and trying to get better at certain things rather than just going to shoot and um that would be that would be the only thing from a from a playing perspective i think everything's kind of everything i view everything all the trials and tribulations and and the opportunities that i've had kind of led me to this where i'm at today and i I wouldn't change any of that by any stretch so that would be the only coach mode advice i would give right on it's important to be intentional for sure in everything that we do and Absolutely. Um, one of the goals is for you know us as older folk like we've mentioned is to just help people along the way and maybe just think differently than they are right now or challenge themselves a little bit differently because like you same thing for me man i just you know we worked at it and put our time in but just sometimes it was like what exactly am i here for so awesome um we appreciate you coming being on with us we obviously wanted you for you know a few weeks now but life is busy and crazy so we, yeah, you know you're taking the time away from family and, and trying to get things going we do are hoping so much that covid can settle down and then we get, get to see a little bit of u sport action this year because i think that would be exciting for you but i know regardless of what happens you'll you'll take it on and 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 do a good job uh any last shout outs to anyone that you think may be listening or uh, any last comments before uh, you're on your way well, i'll just shout out to you guys i mean again i i was i you know, I was there, I was one of the listeners at the first one and just to watch it morph into what it's morphed into and, and having guys like Triano and Scotty Morrison and, and then, you know, uh, again, it's, it's just watched morph, morphed into what it has. It's been incredible to watch and, and you guys are, shout out to you guys for just, again, providing us all with some, some entertainment value and some great life lessons and some great stories. So shout out to you guys, man. Appreciate it. Um, shout out to Corbs too. He is definitely the man behind the mystery. I get to just sit here for, it says 89 minutes and 28 seconds ramble with you, but he's the one who puts all the hours in it uh, behind the scenes and constantly wants me to give him credit on WhatsApp and like pat yeah, himself yeah. on the back. But I'll just say it in public here that he does do a ton of work and I know he's learning he's, and being passionate awesome, about it, but it is a lot of time. So yeah, thanks Absolutely. buddy. We appreciate it. Um, you already heard it. Get down to Parkside in this weather. For those of you that are 19 and older, um, get out on the patio. Enjoy one of the nice cold beers they have to offer there. Um, go get some ice cream after and go for a nice walk and then come back and have another beer there. And uh, get out to Good Lad Clothing, hop on the C bus, go, go support our boy Shane Meyer. And uh, thanks to Joe for being with us. Everybody take care and we will see you on the next episode.